Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Outlaws and Gunslingers, the only podcast covering all of America's infamous criminals. From the Wild West to the Mafia, all the way up to the ruthless street gangs of today. Brought to you exclusively by the Creative Control Network. Here are your hosts, the Mouthy Michiganders, Bang and Dang. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Outlaws and Gunslingers here on the Creative Control Network. So far, we're three, four episodes deep into Great Depression slash Public Enemy number one era of Outlaws and Gunslingers, and on this episode, we have the origin of the public enemy, number one, John Dillinger himself, Midwestern banker, banker, <laughs> I guess he is a banker, the bank robber, <laughs> uh, and responsible for the murder of several police officers. He robbed at least two dozen banks, escaped from jail twice. Damn. Right. People loved him as the modern-day Robin Hood. He was right. nicknamed the Jackrabbit for his graceful movements during his robberies. Mm. Actions such as leaping over counters and his many narrow escapes from the police uh, made this nickname possible. Or you think the the women named him the Jackrabbit? Right, he's never fucks. he never fucking stopped. <laughs> the fucking that was before the, that was before the Energizer Bunny, right? <laughs> yeah, it was fucking Energizer Dillinger. But where was when was the Energizer Bunny? Gotta be around when did batteries become like a thing like that? Sixties. First parents date. Seventy three. Eighty eight. So seventy three. Duracell Bunny. Appeared in 73. Oh, wait, there was a Duracell bunny? Yeah, that's what he looked like, a creepy little guy. Oh, shit. With a Duracell on his back. It was a parody. Energizer made a parody of him as its drumming, and its drumming bunny commercial. <laughs> Species rabbit affiliation Energizer. <laughs> <laughs> First was commercial was advertised on... October 30th, 1988. Yes, sir. Wow. Well, so yeah, they couldn't have called him the Energizer bunny back then, but no. they could have definitely called him the, uh, the Jack Rabbits. Nice. Well... We all know John Dillinger. They're them and Bonnie the Clyde. Bonnie the Clyde. <laughs> <laughs> Bonnie the Clyde. Bonnie the Clyde. Right. Them and Bonnie and Clyde. Him and Bonnie and Clyde are probably what you think of when you hear of uh, 1930s gangsters. I would assume Bonnie they Clyde, would be the Dillinger, first two people you, you Maybe get, Capone. Yeah. Machine Gun Kelly, Capone. Maybe Capone, but. Uh, yeah, always Capone. I said first. The first? Yeah. First people you're going to think of is either Dillinger or Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, then you then you get into oh who else was there oh yeah machine gun Kelly oh yeah right 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 well Dillinger was born on June twenty second nineteen oh three in Indianapolis Indiana mm, grown up in uh, Hoosier grown up in middle class residential neighborhood his father a hard working grocer raised him in an atmosphere of disciplinary extremes harsh and repressive on some occasions but generous and permissive on others John's mother died when he was three years old and when his father remarried six years later John resented his stepmother right okay so. uh He's already a troublemaker. What was that? A problem child? John Ritter. Yeah, I bet you nobody even knows of that movie. As a teenager, <laughs> as a teenager, he began to get in trouble—a lot of trouble. Finally, he quit school. 
He did get a job, though, in a machine shop in Indianapolis. Although intelligent and a good worker, he soon became bored. Often stayed out all night. Okay. His father, who worried that the temptations of the city were corrupting his boy. He's like, Johnny, the temptations of the city are corrupting you. He's like, Dad, no, no. I have fun, and these streets love me. The streets love nobody, Johnny. <laughs> the streets don't care about you. <laughs> right. uh, so his dad was like, you know what? We're selling our property, and we're moving. Where are we going? We're going to Mooresville. <laughs> On a farm. Right. However. However. John reacted no better to real life than <laughs> he had. He's like, you city. think get me out on these country streets is going to slow me down? I don't no, think so. It just takes me longer to get where I need to go. <laughs> <laughs> I might be out later. Right. Now, now instead of two, it's four. <laughs> and now I got a big truck. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> got, uh, mud, got my mud tires, Daddy. Right. Yeah. First couple months, he was decent, and then he began to run wild again. Yeah, well, he was soon caught stealing a car, which led him to enlist into the Navy. Hey. Well, there he quickly got in trouble and deserted a ship when it docked in Boston. Oh, Jeez, no, he's a, a deserter. deserter. Oh, oh Returning to Mooresville, he married 16-year-old Beryl Hovius in 1924. The pair then moved to Indianapolis, but Dillinger was unable to find a job. He then hooked up with the town pool shark Ed Singleton in a search for easy money, and uh, that... You folks, how you say it? Uh, and here it begins. Yeah. And so it so begins. So it begins, yeah. Um, so he's at least 18 here, and he's married a 16-year-old. So he was 1924. He was born in 03, so. Oh, he's fucking 19, yeah. Wanted by the Navy for being a deserter, probably. There's there's no way you can get over that, right? Yeah. He fled the fucking ship. He deserted his ship. Yes. Can you go to military prison, or would they just dishonorably discharge you? Uh, you would get tried in military prison and what they most likely do is just discharge you or you might do some time i think deserters actually do time don't they what did bergdale get nothing can you who i don't know who that is the guy that actually deserted in uh, a couple years back what's his name something bergdale he was missing from his infantry but he actually ended up deserting deserting fucking the whole fucking what is the penalty for desertion in the military Dishonorable discharge, forfeiture of all pay and allowances, reduction to the lowest enlisted grade, and confinement for five years. Oh, so you get in prison for five years. In oh. addition, of times of war, someone found guilty of desertion may be sentenced to death right. or similar pun- punishment. Nice. AWOL and desertion, maximum possible sentences. There's a different. What's AWOL? What's, so, AWOL is not desertion. It is unlikely. Yeah, you went AWOL. It is unlikely that a person who has been AWOL or in desertion status would receive the maximum punishment upon the military, except in the most aggravating circumstances, such as someone went AWOL and then went on a crime spree, which right. Dillinger did. Oh, no. <laughs> Pretty much, right? Right. So basically, you're going to get dishonorably discharged and your name is smeared. It's going to be on your record when they look up your fucking military shit, you know? Right. And if it's like in somewhat of a war time, you'll get five years in prison. In a military prison, too. That sucks. Well, even place you in a military prison if necessary. Usually, however, most members are just kicked out of the military with a less than honorable discharge. A less than honorable discharge. So, dishonorable. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, but when it comes to Dillinger, he obviously is would face prison time if they... I wonder... Uh, well, I guess we'll see when we come to the end of a story if when he did, does get caught, do they uh, right. add that on there? You think so? That would uh, That would be interesting. Well, yeah. He hooked up with pool shark Ed Singleton in a search for easy money. He did. And there it goes. Ed Singleton. I wonder who Ed Singleton is. Hmm. <clears throat> well, check that out. Sounds like a pool shark. Yeah. Uh, the hoodlums <laughs> first tried to rob a Mooresville grocery store. 
but were very, very quickly apprehended. Damn, Orsville police are on that shit. Singleton pled not guilty. Stood trial. Found guilty. Sentenced two years. Dillinger, following his father's advice, confessed. Convicted of assault and battery with intent to rob and conspiracy to commit a felony. And received joint sentences for two to 14 years. Whoa. And 10 to 20 years in Indiana State Prison. Wow. Stunned by the harsh sentence. Well, see, what was, what was Singleton's charges? Because... He was convicted, Dillinger was, of assault and battery with intent to rob, a conspiracy to commit a felony, and received... But did Singleton have the assault and battery charge? That's probably what got him 10 to 20 years, because he was doing it with intent to rob. Maybe Singleton was just sitting there right. while Dillinger beat the fuck out of the guy. Most likely what he, happened He there. probably got charged with conspiracy to commit a felony. So Dillinger was sentenced to 2 to 14, which he's probably going to do 5 for that sentence, and 10 to 20, which he has to do to 10. So he's doing 15 years, at least, at least 10 years. Wow. Stunned by the harsh sentence, Dillinger became a tortured, bitter man in prison. His marriage ended in divorce. Sadly. 1929. From 1924 to 1933. Did so he nine went. Nine years? He oh. went and he went in uh, 1924. He only did nine years? Wow. So I guess it was, you know, the same year he married uh, the chick, 1924. You got good times. She stayed with him for five years while he was in prison. Good for her. Oh. Well, Dillinger was paroled on May 10th, 1933, after serving nine and a half years. <laughs> oh, what the hell? <laughs> in the midst of the Depression, he had little prospect to find an employment and immediately returned to crime. On June 10th, 1933, he robbed his first bank, taking 10000 from the New Carisle National Bank in New Carisle, Ohio. Mm. They disturbed it, Ohio. On August 14th, he robbed another bank in Bluffton, Ohio. He was like, I'll call you Bluffton. I'll call you Bluffton. Dayton police arrested him on September 22nd, and he was lodged in the county jail in Lima, Lima, Ohio, Ohio, to await the trial. So he's already thinking about going back to prison. Well, he's not thinking about it. I guess he is thinking about it now. But. Right. In Frisking Dillinger, the Lima police, the Lima police found a document that seemed to be a plan for a prison break, but the prisoner denied knowledge of any plan. He's like, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that is. It's just a piece right, of paper. Like, you guys put that there. Right. Four days later, using the same plans, <laughs> eight of Dillinger's friends escaped from the Indiana <laughs> State Prison. They used shotguns and rifles, which had been smuggled in by their cells. How the fuck do you smuggle shotguns and rifles into your cell? Right. During their escape, they shot two guards. Oh, my gosh. This is the most incompetent state prison in the world, Indiana. The fuck are you doing? Well, on October 12th, three of the escaped prisoners and a parolee from the same prison showed up at the Lima jail where Dillinger was incarcerated, pretended to be law enforcement officials. They told the sheriff that they had come to return Dillinger to the Indiana state prison for a violation of his parole. Oh. So the guys that escaped from Indiana state prison come to get Dillinger out right. of the jail that he's sitting in right now. All right, the old uh, tactic there. All right, when the sheriff asked to see their credentials, one of the men pulled a gun, shot the sheriff, and beat him into unconsciousness. Oh, shit. Then taking the keys to the jail, the bandits freed Dillinger, locked the sheriff's wife and a deputy in a cell. What the fuck's the sheriff's wife doing there? <laughs> and leaving the sheriff to die on the floor made their getaway. Oh, no. Ah. Yeah, locked deputy, wife, sheriff's wife, leaving the sheriff to die on the floor. They're like, bye. Bye. Man, these guys are almost as bad as Bonnie and Clyde. I know, right? Hopefully, Although, hopefully they're not as stupid. Right. Although none of these men had violated federal law. What? How do you not violate federal law when you're shooting sheriffs? <laughs> and escaping well, a state prison. Well, I guess it's a state prison. No, they... Well, oh, yeah. The guys escaped a state prison, so right. it's not federal law. It's not federal law to escape a prison. And they uh, shot a sheriff in a town, so that's not federal either. 
Although none of these men had violated federal law, hmm. the FBI's assistance was requested in identifying and locating these criminals. The four men were identified as Harry Pierpont. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Russell Clark, Charles Makeley, and Harry Copeland. All right. Two Harrys. How often do you get that? All right. Well, in the meantime, Dillinger Gang pulled several bank robberies and plundered the police arsenals at Auburn and Peru, Indiana, nice. stealing several machine guns, rifles, revolvers, ammunition, and several bulletproof vests. What those. the fuck is it with the 30s? Is that's what Bonnie and Clyde did. They were breaking into right. um, National Guard places. Like, how? These guys don't guard anything? Right. You called the National Guard. <laughs> right. They're not there. Right. On December 14th, John Hamilton, a Dillinger Gang member, shot and killed a police detective in Chicago. A month later, the Dillinger gang killed a police officer during the robbery of the First National Bank of East Chicago, Indiana, one of the most dangerous places. Right. Uh, then they made their way to Florida and subsequently to Tucson, Arizona. Oh, damn. There, on January 23, 1934, a fire broke out in the hotel where Clark and Makeley were hiding under assumed names. Hmm. Okay. Firemen recognized the men from the photographs, and local police arrested them. As well as uh, Dillinger and Harry Pierpont. Oh, this is the second time, uh, oh. well, third time technically Dillinger is getting arrested. They also seized three Thompson machine guns. Oh, two Winchester rifles mounted as machine guns. Jeez. Five bulletproof vests and more than $25,000 hairs in cash. Part of it from the East Chicago robbery. It's <sighs> a lot of money back then. Firemen recognized the men from their photographs and local police arrested them. Oh, that's got to be a shitty thing. If they didn't have done no national crimes, why is these photographs throughout all of the United States? In they're, fucking in Tucson, Arizona. In Tucson, and they recognize them from, from pictures. East, East Chicago. Right. <laughs> in Indiana, of all places. Right. Like, I mean, I guess when people escape from a state prison, they would probably be right. on the lookout, right? Right. Well... Dillinger was sequestered at the county jail in Crown Point, Indiana, await to trial, awaiting the trial for the murder of the East Chicago police officer. Though authorities boasted that the jail was escape-proof, Dillinger threatened the guards with what he claimed later was a wooden gun he had whittled and forced him to open his cell door on March 3, 1934. He then grabbed two machine guns, locked up the guards and several trustees, and then fled oh, away. He's this free as a bird. I had a, 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 a fake wooden gun. Wow. What do you have it in his pocket? The motherfucking... Uh, That'd be even worse. The motherfucking Butterfinger. Right, motherfucking Butterfinger. Isn't that what he had? Yeah, motherfucking... Natalie Voss. Yeah. <laughs> Natalie Voss. And then they fucked going down the highway, which I, it's impossible. Well, it's not. Well, for the amount of time they were kissing and not looking at the road. Right. And then he was like... Well, he was like swerving in and out of... It. Yeah. <laughs> swerving in and out of the traffic and shit. I'm like, come on, dude. It was a great movie. It was then that Dillinger made the mistake that would eventually cost him his very own life. He stole the sheriff's oh. car and drove across the Indiana-Illinois line. He was headed for Chicago. By doing this, he violated the National Motor Vehicle Theft Act. Oh. Which made it a federal offense to transport a stolen motor vehicle across state line. It still is today. I would assume so, right? Within no time, a federal complaint was sworn to charge Dillinger with the theft of that vehicle. 
which was recovered. That's pretty fucked up. This motherfucker can rob banks, kill sheriffs, uh, escape state prisons, and FBI is like, eh, he didn't do anything yet. He, he didn't escape state prison. Well, all right, right, right. But still, rob banks, fucking shoot policemen. He robbed a police arsenal. Robbed a police arsenal. And then FBI is like, nah. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. He drove a stolen he drove vehicle. A across vehicle? <laughs> no! The front bumper is vehicle fucking <laughs> cross the state line? Like, no, that, that that's <laughs> this is where we draw the line. <laughs> no, right there, <laughs> Illinois, Indiana. <laughs> this is where we draw the border. Damn it. Yeah. We can't have this. <laughs> Get this son of a bitch. Uh, that's hilarious. Uh within no time a federal complaint was sworn to charge Dillinger with the theft yep. of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Which was also recovered in Chicago. Okay. After the grand jury returned an indictment, the FBI became actively involved in the nationwide search. And here, folks. For John Dillinger. Here, folks, is when... Um, Over a stolen car. This is when he becomes a national fucking um, sensation, pretty much. A stolen dude. car fucking did it. Meanwhile, Pierpont, Mackley, and Clark were returned to Ohio and convicted of the murder of the Lima Sheriff. They were convicted? Yep. Nice. Pierpont and Mackley were sentenced to death and Clark to life. Whoa. But in an escape attempt, Markley, Mackley was killed and Pierpont was mo- wounded. A month later, Pierpont... Pierpont had recovered sufficiently to be executed. <laughs> they're like, <That's> fucked up. <laughs> they're like, you're fully healthy now, so let's kill you. He's like, oh man, I can't believe I made it. <laughs> well, <laughs> dude, well. if I was him, I'd have been like, dude, just fucking kill me now. Right. Just well, why me. would they even? Yeah. What? It's in- inhumane to, yeah. to let him die. It's inhumane to kill him while he's dying. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, fucked up. That is fucked up. Oh, wow. In Chicago, Dillinger joined his girlfriend, Evelyn Freschetti. Mm-hmm. They proceeded to St. Paul, Minnesota, where they burned down ma- buildings and <sighs> marched with BLM. They went to Kenosha. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dillinger teamed up with Homer Van Meter. Uh-huh. Lester Babyface Nelson. Oh, Gillis. Babyface Lester. Eddie Green. Okay. Tommy Carroll. Okay. And others. <laughs> others. <laughs> the gang's business prospered. Wouldn't you be pissed if all these guys were named? Right. And, so and then you're others. just others. Look, <laughs> like, what the it. fuck, man? We're others. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the gang business prospered as they continued robbing banks. Yes, it did. Well, March 30th, 1934, an FBI agent talked to the manager of the Lincoln Court Apartments in St. Paul who reported two suspicious tenants using the name of Mr. and Mrs. Hellman. Oh. The manager reported, do you think he looked at a bottle of, bottle of like Hellman's mayonnaise or something? Was like, that that's, that's it. I don't know. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Hellman, right? It was made in Chicago, right? Was in 1905, he opened his deli. Oh, Hellman's like food. Mayonnaise has been around for fucking ever then. 1913, it was introduced. So, yeah, Hellman's was around. Wow. It's called Best Foods nice. in California, though. Oh, well, he probably had meat and all that shit. Well, no. There's no Hellman's brand. Mayonnaise, condiments, ketchup, right. sauce, mustard, salad dressings. Okay. That's it. But in, in California, they're not called Hellman's. It's called Best it's Foods? called Best Foods. Really? Well, in the West out there, just like fucking um, it's Carl's Jr. out there. Right. And uh, Checkers. Right. Which is stupid. I don't understand why they do that. Yeah, so I bet you he looked at a fucking bottle of Hellman's was like, that's who we are, baby. Yeah. Yep. Well, the manager reported that the residents acted nervously and refused to admit the apartment caretaker. Oh, okay. The FBI quickly began a surveillance of the apartment, and the next day, an agent and a police officer knocked on the door. When Evelyn Freschetti opened the door, she quickly slammed it shut, and the agent called for reinforcements to surround the building. Oh, shit. Okay. Oh, man. We're getting in trouble here. Oh, I know what happens here. If you guys have ever seen um, 
Public Enemy number one or Public Enemy or whatever it is with um with um uh, Johnny Depp. I don't know. There's a lot of them. Or uh, uh, while waiting, the agent saw a man enter a hall near the Hellman's apartment, who wound up being Homer Van Meter. When questioned, Van Meter drew a gun and and shots were exchanged. Van Meter then fled the building and forced a truck driver at gunpoint to drive him to Eddie Green's apartment. He goes, where are we going? Eddie Green's. Suddenly, the door of the Hellman apartment opened, Uh and the muzzle of a machine gun began spraying the hallway with lead. Undercutter, un- undercutter, <laughs> undercutter. <laughs> Undercover of the machine gun fire, Dillinger and Evelyn Freshetti fled through the back door. They, too, drove to Green's apartment, <laughs> uh, where Dillinger was treated for a bullet wound. Oh, shit, dude. This dude is, uh, everything he's, he's living up to everything that I've heard. <laughs> yeah, he ain't got shit on Clyde. Uh, Clyde ain't I mean, got shit Bonnie. on him. He ain't got shit on Bonnie. Fuck yeah. Bonnie got burnt half to death, shot in the leg. And still died. She didn't do anything like these guys are doing. Well, they did have shootouts with uh, the Popo, so. Well, at the Lincoln Court apartment, in a fucking hallway, though? At the Lincoln Court apartments, the FBI found found a Tommy gun with the stock removed, two automatic rifles, one thirty-eight caliber co-automatic with 20-shot magazine clips, two bulletproof vests. Cross town, other. Why wouldn't they put the bulletproof vest on before they ran out the fucking door? They didn't have time. Cross town, other agents. They had like a shitload of bulletproof vests. They just put one on for themselves. Maybe, right? Well, he had a bullet wound. I'm probably in his leg. <laughs> There's always a fucking explanation. Back of his head. <laughs> Across town, other agents located one of Eddie Green's hideouts where he and Bessie Skinner, Bessie? Bessie? Had been living as Mr. and Mrs. Stevens. Nice. On April 3rd, when Green was found, he attempted to draw his gun, but was shot by the agents and died in a hospital eight days later. Machiavelli and his bitch, Columinati. Right. Dillinger and Evelyn uh, fled to Mooresville, Indiana. Why would you oh, go back to Mooresville? Go back home. Where they stayed with his father and half-brother until his wound healed. Nobody thought to go to his dad's house? Right. Evelyn then went to Chicago to visit a friend and was arrested by the FBI. Oh, no, Evelyn. She was taken to St. Paul, Minnesota for trial on a charge of conspiracy to harbor a fugitive. Mm. She was convicted, fined $1,000, sentenced two years in prison. Well, Bessie. Bessie? Eddie's girlfriend. Got 15 months on the very same charge. Okay. Well, meanwhile, Dillinger and Van Meter robbed Apparently, a police. Apparently, Eddie Green wasn't as important as uh, Dillinger. He only got 15 months. And uh, Well, I think Evelyn I think got, she got charged for harboring, harboring John Dillinger. Yeah, because Eddie Green wasn't a fugitive. Right. Well, he's dead now anyway. So, right. Well, meanwhile, Dillinger and Van Meter robbed a police station at Warsaw, Indiana, while his... Uh, Girlfriend's going to prison. They robbed a police station. Right. Of guns and bulletproof vests. Dillinger stayed for a while in Upper Michigan, departing just ahead of a posse of FBI agents. Uh, A short time later, the FBI received a tip that there had been a sudden influx of rather suspicious guests at the summer resort of Little Bohemia Lodge, which is about 50 miles north of Rhinelander, Wisconsin. One of them sounded like John Dillinger and another like Babyface Nelson. Yeah, so now police know they're in a Little Bohemia Lodge. Up in the UP. Oh, they're in the UP? Yeah. Oh, shit. It just says Upper Michigan, but it, obviously. Well. It's 50 miles north of Rhinelander, Wisconsin, so which oh, would be the UP. Definitely. So, Babyface is with them now? Yep. Nice. From Rhinelander, an FBI task force set out by car for Little Bohemia. Okay. Two miles from the resort, the car lights were turned off, and the posse proceeded through the darkness. When the cars reached the resort... Dogs began barking. Mm. Well, there goes the headlights thing. <laughs> right. That's only two miles. You bitches could have got out and walked it. Right. Fucks. The agents spread out to surround the lodge, and as they approached, machine gun rattled <laughs> them down. 
uh, from the roof and every fucking access they can get to probably to shoot. Swiftly, the agents took cover and one of them hurried to a telephone to give directions to additional agents who had arrived in Rhinelander to back up the operation. Okay. While the agent was telephoning, the operator broke in to tell him there was trouble at another cottage about two miles away. Oh, shit. Special Agent W. Carter Baum and a constable went there and found a parked car, which the constable recognized as belonging to a local resident. They pulled up and identified themselves. Mm. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Wow. Inside this car, Babyface Nelson was holding three local residents at gunpoint. He turned, leveled a revolver at the lawman's car, and ordered them to get the fuck out. He said, come on. Come on. Come on. But without waiting for them to comply, Nelson opened fire. He's like, man, second thought. Well, Baum was killed, where uh, Baum is. That's the police guy. He's gone. And the constable and the other agent were seriously wounded. Ooh. Nelson jumped into the Ford they had and left. So he jumped in their car and rolled it out. So Nelson just killed an agent. Oh, no. Okay. Well, when the fire had, firing had subdued at the Little Bohemia Lodge, Dillinger was gone. Obviously. When the agents entered the lodge the next, next morning, <laughs> they found only three frightened females. Dillinger mm. and five others had fled through a back window before the agents, before they surrounded the house. So who fired? Right. Who was shooting the guns? Did they make the fucking, the, they women made do them it? women shoot out of you the fucking, fucking do it. Uh, Maybe there was four women and they took one with them. You keep on shooting these guns until we'll leave her in the woods. Dillinger and five others had fled through a back window before the agents surrounded the house. All right. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How does that make sense? Who fucking fired the guns then? Right. But yeah, apparently they uh, started firing on them, and then while they were taking cover, they escaped out the back door. Right. Makes sense. It okay. does. Okay. All right. What are you gonna do, right? Right. In Washington, FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover, formerly uh, President of the United States. Well, this is before. Uh, Edgar Hoover was never the president. J. Edgar Hoover. Never. Are you sure? Yes. Yeah. That was Herbert. Herbert Hoover. Yeah. <laughs> right. That J. Was, Edgar Hoover. Wasn't J. Edgar man. He was the <laughs> fucking FBI founder. <laughs> what an idiot. What an idiot. That was Herbie man. Yeah, Herbert Hoover. The fucking vacuum. Isn't it the vacuum? Mm-hmm. In Washington, FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover, former pre- or, uh, not the future president, president no. not ever president of the United States, assigned a special agent Samuel A. Cowley to head the FBI's efforts against Dillinger. Cowley soon set up headquarters in Chicago, Chicago. where he and Melvin Purvis, special agent in charge of the Chicago office, plan their strategy. They're like, we need to we do... We need s- to plan our strategy. We need to plan our strategy. Well, late in the afternoon of Saturday, July 21st, 1934, the Madam of a Brothel in Gary, Indiana, one of the other most dangerous places in the country, uh, con- well, nowadays, I don't know about back then, contacted one of the police officers with information. The woman who called herself Anna Sage, but was actually Anna Kumpanas, 
had entered the United States from her native Romania in 1914. Because of her nature of her profession, she was considered an undesirable alien by the Immigration and Naturalization Service. <laughs> and deportation proceedings had been started. Well, she's like, hey, I got some information about Dillinger, but you got uh, to promise not to deport me, buds. Right. And they're like, all right, let's take a meeting. Let's, let's see what we can do here. At a meeting with Anna, Cowley and Pervis were cautious. Of course. They promised her the like, reward. We're in, we're in the presence of a whore. Right. They promised her the reward if her, they promised her the reward if her information led to Dillinger's capture, but said all they could do was call her cooperation to attention of the Department of Labor. That's all we can do. We can't guarantee that you're not going anywhere, which at that time handled deportation matters. And they're like, personally, I don't know anybody at Department of Labor. So. <laughs> like that's like uh, right shit job. Sorry, we wouldn't be associated with that at all. Right. It's like yeah. I mean, we can we can write him a letter. Which at the time, okay, satisfied, Anna told the agents that a girlfriend of hers, Polly Hamilton, mm-hmm. had visited her establishment with John Dillinger. Anna had recognized Dillinger from a newspaper photograph. Okay, this is where it gets good, guys. We all know what happens here, you know? Well, Anna told the agents that Polly Hamilton and Dillinger probably would be going to the movies the following evening at either the Biograph or the Mar- Marlboro, not Marl, not with an L, just Marlboro. Marlboro theaters in chicago she said she would notify them when the theater was children she said that she would wear an orange dress so that they could identify her what mm-hmm. oh she would she would. would right she was gonna go with them right sunday july 22nd 1934 special agent samuel a kelly ordered all agents of the chicago office to stand stand by and stand down <laughs> <laughs> To stand by for urgent duty urgent duty urgent right so urgent duty. Anna called that evening to confirm the plans, but she still did not know which theater they would attend. They're like, we don't know. It's one of them. Therefore, agents and policemen were sent to both theaters. Obviously, it would be the right strategy there. Around 8.30 p.m., Anna Sage, John Dillinger, and Polly Hamilton strolled into the Biograph Theater to see Clark Gable in Manhattan melodrama. Purvis phoned Cowley, who shifted the other men from the Marbo to uh, the Biograph. They're like, they're not there, they're here. Get your ass down here. I don't know if this was the moment in the movie, but he goes to a uh, theater in one of the scenes, and right before the movie, it's a special news bulletin. Warning, man, public enemy number one, John Dillinger. He could be amongst you right now. Turn to your left. Hmm. Turn to your right. Identify him immediately if you see him. Inside the theater? Inside the theater. Wow. And, like, the lights came up so people could look to the left and the right. He's just sitting there like, oh, Did anybody fuck. identify him? No. I think he was making a deal with people. Oh, yeah. Okay, he was. It's fantastic. So it couldn't have been now. Right. Because he about to die. Yeah. Well, Cowley also phoned Hoover for instructions. He's like, Jay Edgar, not future president. What do I do? <laughs> what do I do? He, uh, he cautioned them to wait outside rather than risk a shooting match inside the crowded theater. Yeah. Fucking good fucking advice there, Hoover. I mean, come on. These guys, didn't, Cowley didn't know he this? He didn't know that? Right. Jeez. Each man was instructed not to be unnecessarily endanger, not to unnecessarily endanger himself and was told that if Dillinger offered any resistance, it would be each man for himself. Mm. Well, at 10.30 p.m., Dillinger, with his two female companions on either side, walked out of the theater. Well, as they walked past the doorway in which Purvis was standing, the agent lit a cigar as a signal for the other man to close in. Nice. Dillinger quickly realized what was happening and acted by instinct. He grabbed a pistol from his right trouser pocket as he ran toward the alley. Five shots were fired from the guns of three FBI agents. Three of the shots hit Dillinger, and he fell face down on the pavement. Wow. At 10.50 p.m. on July 22, 1934, John Dillinger was pronounced dead. 
in a little room in the Alexian Brothers Hospital. Wow. Gunned him down right on the Gunned street. Gunned him down. He just watched the movie thinking he was going home Gunned to do it. Gunned him down. Mm. Wow. The angels. The agents who. <laughs> the angels. The angels. Some would say, oh, I'm an angel. <laughs> the angels. The agents who fired at Dillinger were Charles B. Winstead, Clarence O. Hurt, and Herman E. Hollis. Each man was commended by J. Edgar Hoover for fearlessness and courageous action. None of them ever said who actually killed Dillinger. The events of that July night in Chicago marked the beginning of the end of the gangster area. Well, well not area. Era. Yeah, but it didn't end the, uh, maybe of the early 30s gangster era. But Right, right. Eventually, 27 persons were convicted in federal courts on charges of harboring and aiding and embedding John Dillinger and his gang members during their reign of terror. Mm-hmm. Bayface Nelson was fatally wounded on 27th of November, 1934. In a gun battle with FBI agents, in which special agents Cowley and Hollis oh, also were killed. Cowley. Oh. Cowley died, huh? Oh. At least he got to oversee Dillinger. All right. Dillinger was buried in Crown Hill Cemetery in Indianapolis. Wow. Uh, from September 1933 until July 1934, he and his violent gang killed 10 men, wounded seven others. But was he really killed? Or was it all a mistake? Mm, well, there seems to be some controversy over his death. Uh, From the beginning, there were rumors that the FBI had shot the wrong guy. Okay. Some people, uh, instead, some people at the time, as well as today, believe that the man who was killed was a small-time hood named Jimmy Lawrence, who had been set up to take the hit. Oh. Mysteriously, the same night that Dillinger was allegedly shot, Lawrence disappeared. Oh. Eyewitnesses and even Dillinger's own father said the dead man was not him. Autopsy reports were questioned and went missing. Oh. 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 That don't really look like... He's no. too, his face is too fat. Different. His face is too fat than... Or even right. that. Yeah, it don't look like him at all. Look at his forehead. His forehead's not as long as right. it is in here. Yeah, that's... I don't think that's him. Yeah, I don't think that's him either, dude. Wow. Prior to the shooting, John Dillinger was known to have sometimes used the alias of Jimmy Lawrence. Oh, of course. <laughs> A man who coincidentally bore him a striking resemblance. Well, okay, so he knew who this Jimmy Lawrence uh, was. Jimmy Lawrence was a petty Chicago criminal who had recently moved from Wisconsin. He lived in the same neighborhood as Dillinger and was known to frequent the biograph. Um, okay. After the shooting, a photograph was taken from Dillinger's girlfriend. Polly Hamilton's purse shows her in the company of a man who looks like the man killed at the biograph. Which just happened. Photo was taken from Dillinger's girlfriend, right. her purse, out of her purse. Right. That shows her in the company of this guy who looked like the man. Right. Oh, okay. Which just happens to look like the real Jimmy Lawrence. Mysteriously, after Dillinger was allegedly shot, Jimmy Lawrence was never seen again. Hmm. Hmm. Well, after the shooting, the body was taken to the Cook County morgue for an autopsy. The corpse had a gunshot to the side of the face. Witnesses would say it did not look like the notorious gangster. Furthermore, the first words from Dillinger's father upon identifying the body were, that's not my boy. Uh, Autopsy reports made no sense. The corpse was too tall and too heavy. I told you, his face looked fatter. The eye color was wrong, and it possessed a rheumatic heart, which was not a condition from which Dillinger suffered. uh, Even the fingerprints on the body didn't match. What? How my first time hearing this? Are you serious right now? What is happening? How are they still going to take credit for this guy's murder? Wow. The report indicated that the dead man had brown eyes while Dillinger's were gray. The Cook County Medical Examiner... You got to be a... If you have gray eyes, you just got to be like... Weird. You have to come up and be a criminal and kill people, right? I think this is a law. Do something. 
Uh, the Cook County Medical Examiner, Dr. Robert Stein, would say that the eyes become cloudy after death and that the color is sometimes hard to determine. Nah, if, they could, if they became cloudy, they would be gray, right? Right. Like a cloudy fucking gray. They wouldn't, I mean. They wouldn't get darker. Right. The report noted that the corpse had a, a rheumatic heart condition since childhood, but Dillinger had served in the Navy. Oh. Where his showed that his heart was in perfect condition. <laughs> no scars and moles were not reported on the autopsy, and fingerprints did not match. But the FBI said these were altered during plastic surgery. Oh, I don't know about that. A close-up of the corpse face showed a full set of front teeth, but Dillinger was missing his front right incisor. Which is the big, long uh, vampire right. tooth. Then the autopsy report went missing for some 50 years. Well... And regarding that plastic surgery here, um, according to R. O'Leary, as early as March 30, 1934, Dillinger expressed an interest in plastic surgery and had asked O'Leary to check with Paquette, whoever that is, on such matters. At the end of April, Paquette paid a visit to his old friend, Dr. Wilhelm Lozer. Lozer had practiced in Chicago for 27 years before being convicted under the Harrison Narcotic Act in 31. He was sentenced to three years at 11 or whatever. Uh, later testified he performed facial surgery on himself and obliterated the fingerprint impressions on the tips of his fingers by the application of caustic soda. Uh, Paquette, why does that have to do with Dillinger? Right. Paquette said Dillinger would have to pay 5000 for the plastic surgery, 44 split between Paquette, Lozer, and O'Leary, and 600 to Dr. Harold Cassidy, who would administer the anesthetic. The procedure would take place at the home of Paquette's longtime friend, James Probasco, at the end of May. Uh, Lozer said that Dillinger chose to have general anesthetic. He said, I asked him what he wanted done. He wanted two warts removed on the lower forehead between the eyes and one at the left angle, outer angle of the left eye. He wanted a depression of the nose filled in, a scar, a large one to the left of the median line of the upper lip excised. Wanted his dimples removed and wanted the angle of the mouth drawn up. He didn't say anything about the fingers that day to me. Mm, I don't know. It's a little funky. I don't know. He says he moved the uh, moles, made an incision on his nose, or on his nose and on his chin, and tied back both cheeks. Supposedly, Van Meter now wanted the same uh, work done to him afterwards. Mm. Also, now both wanted work done on their fingertips afterwards. The price for the fingerprint procedure would be five hundred dollars per hand or a hundred dollars a finger. He used a mixture of nitric and hydrochloric acid. Mm, maybe Lozer testified. Cassidy and I worked on Dillinger and Van Meter simultaneously on. June 3rd. While the work was being done, Dillinger and Van Meter changed off. The work that could be done while the patient was sitting up, the patient was in the sitting room. The work that had to be done while the man was laying down, the patient was on the couch in the bedroom. They were changed back and forth according to the work to be done. The hands were sterilized, made aseptic with antiseptics, thoroughly washed with soap and water, and used sterile gauze afterwards to clean to clean them. Next, cutting instru- instrument knife was used to expose the lower skin. In other words, take off the epidermis and expose the derma. Then alternately, the acid and the alkaloid was applied as was necessary to produce the desired results. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe. Mm. Maybe. Well, we'll never know because they were both uh, arrested. And on July 27, 1934, uh, Probasco fell to his death from the 19th floor of the Bankers Building in Chicago while in custody. Huh. Yeah, okay. Mm. I don't know if I believe this at all. Yeah, that's some funny shit there. Right. I don't know if I believe that at all, but nope. either or, they say that they're claiming that he... Said, yeah, they had to kill the guy. Right. Because now their fucking... Their claim is that... Because what was it? July 22nd that he died? Yeah. Yeah, July 22nd, and he fell July 28th? Mm. 
Yeah. July 27th. So yeah. right after this, when all the shit was coming out that mm. nothing matched, you know they right. had to kill that guy off. Right. Uh, okay. 50-some mm. years, the autopsy report goes missing, too. Mm. Mm. Well, respected crime writer J. Robert Nash in his book wrote, um, in his book, The Dollinger Dossier, lays out much information supporting the theory that Dillinger was not killed. Wow. He also contends that Chicago police officer Martin Zakovich, Zarkovich, Louis Paquette, Dillinger's lawyer, Oh, his lawyer. His girlfriend, Polly Hamilton, and her friend, Anna Sage, were all involved in an intricate plot. Might Polly Hamilton have made a date with Jimmy Lawrence to go to the biograph knowing the FBI was waiting? Definitely possible. Her friend, Anna Sage, was like, right. I told him. Right. So you know. This is going to get me off, and then this will get Johnny off, too, Polly. You got to do it, Polly, for me. Right. Right? They did it. Other events also led to questions, including the fact that the Indianapolis Star... And the Little Bohemia Lodge received letters from a sender claiming to be John Dillinger in 1963. Later, okay. a gun that had been on display for years at the FBI headquarters that was allegedly used by Dillinger against FBI agents outside of the Biograph Theater was proven not to belong to John <laughs> Dillinger. In fact, it had been manufactured years after his death. Oh, no. And this is in the, this is in the FBI headquarters. The original gun has never been recovered. Oh, no. What is going on here, J. Edgar? Whoa. Future never president. Well, the FBI stood by its story, but the rumors have long persisted. Some believe the FBI agents covered it up. You fucking think after all we just read? (laughs) Fearing the wrath of J. Edgar, who told him to get Dillinger or else. Right. Alternatively, it might have been Hoover himself who was behind the cover-up. Obviously. He wasn't hot water at this time, like fucking all the shit with Prohibition and all that stuff. So It was him. At the time, the Federal Bureau of Investigation was a relatively new agency, and if they had shot the wrong man, it would have been the third innocent man killed in the pursuit. Whoa! Oh, damn! It would have been the third innocent man killed in pursuit of Dillinger. Who's well, the other two? The Did two we cover that them? were getting that drove off in the car. Right. Uh, 1984. The autopsy records were finally found by an office worker stuffed in a shopping bag in a corner at the Old County Morgue. What? Spurring renewed interest and exhumation was even talked about. But Dillinger's body had been buried under five feet of concrete and steel. Grave robbers, am I right? Or they did it for exactly this purpose. 2006, the Discovery Channel explored the case by bringing in a team of experts to examine the autopsy and other evidence. But they concluded that it was, in fact, John Dillinger. Yeah, sure they did. They had to. Of course they did, right? Of course they did. Why why would they not? Right. Well, if they are wrong and he lived, what happened to the real John Dillinger, though? Right. Some claim that he married and moved to Oregon, disappearing once again in the late 40s, never to be heard from again. Mm. Robert Nash, however, contends that Dillinger moved to California, where he worked as a machinist under what would have been an early form of the Witness Protection Program. Mm. Why was he in Witness Protection? Mm. Did he help get... Did he... Did he help get baby did he face? Get, did he help get baby face? Mm. Is this getting even more intricate? And uh, It didn't take long after Dillinger's death uh, before rumors began to circulate that he hidden his money. Right. And there, everybody's like, well, where is it at? One of the first was uh, that when John was hiding at the Little Bohemia Lodge in Manis- Manitowish Waters, Wisconsin. Oh, okay, so the Little Bohemia wasn't even in Michigan. It was in Manitowish Waters, Wisconsin. They didn't right. say that before. In April 1934. Right. He was in possession of some $200,000 in cash. Just two days after he and his gang arrived, they were ambushed by FBI agents. We know that, right? Uh, we know that. Well, the face. agents accidentally killed a tavern customer and wounded two others. Right. In the meantime, the criminals escaped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Legend goes, Dillinger making it for a run for it. Carrying <laughs> the cash inside a suitcase, which he buried in the woods a few hundred yards north of the lodge. Okay. Three months later, Dillinger was dead, and according to the legend, uh, it was never able to return. 
Well, another legend to begin to circulate after Harry Pierpont was executed at the old Ohio Penitentiary in October 1934. Well, as this story goes, the Dillinger gang had buried the loot from one of their bank robberies on the Pierpont farm. After the bank robbery, the gang had taken refuge at the homestead, but the lawmen and but the lawmen were in hot pursuit. They buried the loot in a wooded area not far from the found, town from the farmhouse and then fled the property via back road. Evidently, the rumor was enough for even the FBI at the time, as locals have said agents hid in the cornfields near the farm after Harry Pierpont's execution, (laughs) waiting to see if anybody returned for it. Uh, However, however. the time was wasted as no one appeared to collect it. For years, people searched the property looking for the cash, but if anything was ever found, it was not reported. Today, there's nothing left of the original Pierpont farm. The original farmhouse was moved off the property and later burned. The barns and outbuildings were also torn down to make way for farm farmland. The old farm is located on County Road 65 near the town of uh, Leipzig in Putnam County, Ohio. My third story, though, supposedly stated by the FBI, was that Dillinger had buried some 25000 of his fa- on his, at his father's 57-acre farm near Mooresville, Indiana. Though many believe that one or more of these legends may be true, most historians say they are nothing but legends, and if true, the cash would have long disintegrated by now. Most likely. Unless, unless it was wrapped up or something. Right. right. In any case, it makes the mystery even more interesting. If Dillinger wasn't the man who was actually killed, did he perhaps return for the cash in order to fund a new lifestyle? I think he did. We'll never know. I think he did. I think I think he did. Wow. Um, I'm not going to lie, guys. I knew everything that... Happened up until his death, but afterwards, I didn't know of the... Conspiracy. The, the, uh... Yeah, the guy not fucking looking like him, no fingerprints matching. Uh, the gun that they supposedly, the FBI had at their headquarters wasn't even his gun confirmed. Right. That it wasn't his gun. I mean, there's a lot of questions here. This is insane. There's a lot of fucking questions here that we might have to, uh... This is insane. Do a little more research into and... Right. See if we can follow up about this. We'll throw this in the Babyface Nelson, uh, story. Right. Wow. Crazy stuff. Mm. And the one guy is suggesting that he was in the early version of the witness protection program for right. for what? Right. We got to know more about this. Mm. There's got to be more. There's got to be got to be more well, definitely. We, we'll figure it out and if there is, we'll let you know. We will let you know. Oh, okay. So we got a follow-up here on October in 2019, Indiana state officials approved plans to exhume the remains buried in Dillinger's grave at the request of Dillinger's relatives who believe the man shot at the theater was not actually him. The FBI has dismissed this claim as a conspiracy theory. The exhumation was scheduled for December 31st, 2019. According to information in January 2020, Dillinger's body will not be exhumed. His nephew and niece quit those plans, and History Channel also canceled the idea. I wonder uh, why. Why'd they do that? <laughs> I wonder why. I wonder why. Wow, dude. Are you serious? They're like, well. They're all of a sudden, they just canceled those plans, <laughs> right? Uh, and History History Channel, who will do anything for fucking ratings and everything, right. canceled the idea, right? No. The fuck out of here. No. You fucking cocks. Right. Wow. All right. Wow. Right. Wow. Mm. 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 Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Public Enemies. Enemies, by the way. Uh, the movie with Johnny Depp. Yeah, Public Enemies. You're thinking of Christian Bale. He was in that as Melvin Purvis. Oh, Christian Bale, yeah. Yeah, if there's any movie I would suggest watching about the Dillinger, it's Public Enemies. It's the only right. one that's good. Um, yeah, that's going to do it. I'm sure you can find some back in the 40s and 50s and 60s. Yeah, but they're probably way over-dramatized. Most likely. It's this episode of John Dillinger, Outlaws and Gunslingers. Probably we learned something new today. I mean, you know. Hey. 
I hope you guys did too. Right. We were planning on doing Babyface Nelson first, but then it's we next. looked it up, and obviously Babyface Nelson dies after Dillinger. Right, and we can't. So do that. we had to uh, postpone that. But that will be next week's episode. Babyface Nelson. We'll uh, learn a little bit more about him just outside of the time that he was with Dillinger. So that'll be next week. Yeah, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Check us out on the Bang and Dang Show, where we just fucking talk shit about whatever, yep. mostly. Politics, sports, music, whatever. movies, whatever we feel like talking about, just shooting the shit whatever. for an hour, hour and a half at a time. That's the Bang and Dang Show, wherever you get your podcasts. And also, if you're a wrestling fan, go check out the Monday Night Watch Along, where we go back from the very first episode of Nitro, compare each brand's WWF and WCW's main events, and as well as uh, every pay-per-view in between, and we decide who really won right. the Monday Night War. So that's the Monday Night Watch Along, again, wherever you get your podcast, and we'll be back next week for Outlaws and Gunslingers here on the Creative Control Network, where the mouth of Michiganders with... Bang, dang! Bang, dang!